And I feel like God's given me something on my heart that he's been really challenging me with is where do I find my security? You know, and if we really want to be able to live life well through the many challenges that we face, right? We face some really, really big ones. And then we face like big ones. And then we face the like annoying everyday challenges of like dealing with your children or like driving, you know, or all those things. Or your children driving, which is the biggest challenge of the world. I have two girls that drive. They have licenses, but I, I still don't know how they passed. And so that's, that's, that's a challenge I deal with every day. Fortunately, we give them a really terrible car to drive. So it's, if you get into an accident, do not drive our nice cars. You drive the one that looks like it's been in an accident already. So anyway, if we really want to do well, in life and not be pushed back and forth, that we really want to find refuge and live life secure, we can't find that security in our stuff. We can't find that security in our relationships or our popularity or how much people like us, right? We can't find that security in our bank account. I don't know about you, but that's something I get drawn to. Like when my bank account is like bigger, I'm like, oh, I'm feeling so good about life. And then when it gets smaller and smaller, I see this like every month, it's like a big battle, between, between bills and money in my bank account. And every month, it's like, who's going to win? Uh, most of the time, the bills win. No, I'm teasing. But, you know, like, I find that I feel more secure when I have more money. And I'm like, why? I know that's not something I need to build my life on, yet I'm drawn to that. It gives me something, okay? We can't find security in how good our children are, right? That's something I feel like you know, like, my kids were exemplary children. Like, they were really well-behaved. They were, you know, some of you I know have those crazy kids that are running around everywhere and pulling people's pants down, that kind of stuff. That's not my kids growing up. But then they turn into teenagers. And then you're like, I'm not finding my security in them anymore. You know, because they begin to do things that you're like, I can't believe you're my child. <laughs> you know, so, okay. We can't find our success in our favorite sports team even though right now it's really easy to, right? Feel like, find, uh, you know, feel good about life, right? Our roots have to go deeper. And Jesus talks about this on a number of occasions, but there's one story he tells that I feel like speaks right to the heart of it. Because he knows that humans tend to try to hold on to things that are, are, you know, tangible, that we can actually say, yeah, okay, I have this now, so now I feel more secure, or, or yeah, this is going well in my life, so now I can feel more secure, or, or people are telling me how good I am, so now I can feel more secure. And Jesus is saying, it's not about that. And so if you look at Luke 12, 15, he's speaking to the people, and he goes on, take care, protect yourself against the least bit of greed. Life is not defined by what you have, even when you have a lot, or when you don't have a lot right? It's so easy to define our lives by what we have, whether it be money or stuff or richness of relationships. Like, we feel, like, more secure. He knows, right? He's saying, this is not what defines your life. This is not what makes you who you are. Too often, we define our lives by what we have and what we don't have, right? And then Jesus speaks on and tells a story, The farm of a certain man produced a terrific crop. Now this is like, I think the word terrific is not doing it justice. This is like the biggest crop. This is the kind of thing that happens in your life that allows you to retire and never think about farming or money ever again. Like this guy worked hard, worked hard, worked hard, and then his farm just exploded 
right? All right, so it produced this ter- terrific crop. And he talked to himself. He said, what can I do? My barn isn't big enough for the harvest. And then he said, here's what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And then I'll gather in all my grain and goods. And I'll say to myself, self, you have done well. You've got it made and now you can retire. Take it easy and have the time of your life. I can't say that without thinking, ah. Had the time of my life, right? He's like <laughs> dancing, like feeling good about himself, okay? And just then God shows up and he says, fool, tonight you die. <laughs> and your barn full of goods, who gets it? What good is it to you? What has it given you? And that's what happens when you fill your barn with self and not with God. See, Jesus tells this story because he's talking to the human condition. He understands. But, but first, I have a few problems with this story that frustrate me. First of all, the farmer, I think it's... Listen, there's a couple things that are, are, are right. This guy works hard. It doesn't say that he got it by being wicked or illegal, right? He wouldn't steal, right? He worked hard, and then he received blessing for working hard. How many people value working hard? in this, right? And then when you're rewarded for working hard, how many people feel good about that? And the rest of you are lying, right? We all feel good about working hard and receiving. So the farmer, he works hard and he receives it. That's, that's a good thing, right? Like, like when my kids work hard, they're learning about working hard, and when they put in good work, it's good to bless them, right? It reaffirms to them, like, it's important to work with your heart and your hands and and put yourself into it. Okay, the second thing the farmer did is he saw all this great blessing, and he's like, what should I do? Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna secure it. I'm gonna put it in a bigger barn so that it won't go bad, right? It was almost like wisdom. He was like thinking, like, if you got a ton of money right now, you'd be like, what should I do? Okay, I'll invest it in some really good, you know, those things that people have a lot of money do, right? Put it in mutual funds and stocks and things that are secure. I'm gonna do this. I think that's smart to invest wisely. Okay, so those are the two things I don't think the farmer did. I don't think God's saying here, hey, listen, don't work hard because I'll call you a fool. Jesus isn't pointing that out or he's not saying, hey, don't think about your future at all. So why was the farmer called a fool? And I like to, you know, it's, it's the holiday season. Right? How many people have started listening to Christmas music? Right? Anybody watch a Christmas movie yet? My kids are like, we're watching a Christmas music movie tonight. Like Thanksgiving night. It's like, oh my goodness. Right? Well, I think of the farmer as a similar person that we all know. And his name is Ebenezer Scrooge. How many people know Ebenezer Scrooge? Right? So this guy spends his life gaining wealth and power. Right? He works hard. He's rewarded. And it actually says that he's not evil or wicked in how he gains his money. He just works all the time. Some of you can relate to that. He works too much. So he forgets about other things in life. He works to gain power. People are afraid of him. People, when he speaks, they do things, right? But you look at what Ebenezer Scrooge, and if you look at his life, you would see he was miserable. He was miserable. No one is like, man, someday I will be like Ebenezer Scrooge, devoid of all joy and happiness, 
right? No one yearns and strives for that. Yet, there's a part of us that yearns and strives for his life. What he had, this wealth and this power and this influence and this security. And we know, right, he was someone who stood against the very nature of the most beautiful thing on earth, and that is Christmas, right? What was his favorite saying? Bah humbug, right? Look up there. There he is, bah humbug, right? That is the farmer. That is the life that tries to capture our souls. When we begin to find security, we begin, our hearts begin to shrink and get smaller, right? Go go to the next slide there. Right, he hated Christmas before Grumpy Cat made it cool, right? Right, so go to the next one. Scrooge, my hero, right? So you know when, the, when Grumpy Cat's like elevating you as a hero, you know there's something wrong with your life. Last one here. Your gift is in the litter box, right? That is... See, the first thing the farmer got wrong, and if you look through the things that he said, it was all my barn, my crop, what am I going to do with this? How am I going to do this? How, what is, this is mine, right? He chose this self-centered, selfish mindset where the world revolved around him. Was there a mention of God? No. Was there a mention of God? What should I do with this? No. It was just, this is mine. I've earned it. That's a very American mindset that we need to combat on a daily basis because you know what? You own nothing, You actually are owned by something, Jesus, and what he did for you. Or you're owned by other things that are much crueler masters, right? And we can be caught up in this whole mindset mindset of of being selfish and self-absorbed. And if we live this way, it's a slippery slope before you find security in getting the stuff that you want. Find security, getting your needs met constantly. Our family has been through a big adjustment recently, um, for years and years and years, my wife, Rebecca, homeschooled our kids. And so she's a stay-at-home mom. And you know, like, I don't know about you guys, but I love dinner. Anybody like dinner? Like, I love eating dinner that I have not made, especially. Like, that is really wonderful. And like, we all loved it. Dinner's a big deal in our family. Like, the question that my kids constantly ask, what's for dinner? What's for dinner? And see, when you have a stay-at-home mom who's also an exceptional cook— and she's also really good at cleaning. I'm, we'll get to that. But she's a great cook. Like it's, uh, like, it's almost like Christmas every day when you sit down. What is going to—and she reveals it, and it's like, ah, you know, we're like so excited. And we eat. And this is how we've lived for years after years, right? And then Rebecca gets a job— that we send our kids to school, and that's good, and, and, and we get them out of the house. And then Rebecca gets a full-time job working at Chase, where she has to leave at like 7.15 in the morning, and she doesn't get home till 6 p.m. at night. Well, guess what happens? No dinner, right? Not only no dinner, but her job is stressful, so she wants the house clean when she gets home. Now, she's not a demanding boss, but like, like I know that's what she wants. And if she gets home and the house is destroyed, it's like, it's, no one's happy, right? No one's happy. And so I have been, because I'm a pastor and I don't do anything, my job has been um, to, to like, like do everything, 
you know, before 6 p.m. I have to figure out dinner. I have to go shopping. I have to clean the house. The kids walk through the door. Well, I come home after the kids get in. And of course, kids are like, they throw shoes everywhere. They strip off their clothes. Papers are scattered everywhere. We have little dogs that go to the bathroom in our house on patty pads. But like they poop on the potty pad and no one cleans it up but me. Right? So I'm coming home like, children, come on, let's do this. And I'm cooking dinner. And I'm finding myself frustrated because I am not good at making dinner. No one taught me. (laughs) How can I be good without being taught? (laughs) I'm blaming my dad, guys, not my mom. And so, like, we've been doing this for months, this, this me making most of the dinners. And she's been doing some, but most of them are crockpot meals. And eventually, crockpot meals all taste the same. No matter what meat or sauce, it's like, yep, crockpot meal. It's, like, terrible. All right, so anyway, you guys know I'm a selfish person. And so I've been doing this, and I've been getting more and more frustrated because I haven't getting the affirmation and the love and the praise I deserve for this incredible selfless act of love on a daily basis. She hasn't brought me home flowers, not once. I'm expecting her to break through the door, grab me, carry me back to the bedroom, and you know, like, reward me for the hard work. There's been no love. You know, there's been the occasional thank you. I appreciate it. I was like, that's all you've got. (laughs) This all came to a head, right? You know, a couple weeks ago, and she texts me in the morning, or Sunday night, she's like, hey, I'll make dinner tomorrow. And I was like, oh, this is, this is like the old days. I'm so excited. And so I was like, all day, I was excited. Oh, this is going to be great. And so she gets home at six. She still has to make dinner, so it's not going to be ready until seven. But like, she gets home, and she's like irritated about making dinner. And you know. Oh, I've been making dinner all these months and I have not been irritated once. And you're irritated one time? And so, like, I'm, I'm like, this is unacceptable. You know, and so, like, I, I, I'm like, okay, don't say anything, don't, don't say anything. And you know, guys, you know, when you say don't say anything, you've got to say something, right? And so she's irritated. And so I go, I go back and I say, you know, I'm really disappointed in you. That doesn't work. Okay, that's not a good... And so I just went on and said, like, I'm so frustrated. I've been doing this, all, you know, and all this. And it's like, she has been learning a new job in an environment that's, so, I've been so focused on myself, I haven't even been able to think about her. And it's so easy to get rooted in your own selfish desires and forget about the people around you. All right? And so I was the farmer. My heart grew small. I was Ebenezer Scrooge. I was frustrated. I was angry. All right, so that's the first thing. That story took way too long. I'm sorry. That's the first thing. Why was he a fool? The first thing is that he was focused on himself. How many of you focus on yourself? We do, because we are ourselves. We're here, right? But Jesus said, when you fill your boy with self and not with God, life is going to be really difficult for you. You're going to be called a fool. 2 Corinthians 5.15 says this, and he died for all so that those might, so that they who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. Jesus came so we don't need to live for ourselves any longer. The only reason we choose to live for ourselves is because we are choosing to live outside of what he's done for us. And so we've got to put that to death. We've got to find out 
Why are we selfish? How are we selfish? And if you can't think of a way that you're selfish, ask somebody that you're close to. And they will tell you if you have kids. They will love to tell you. Okay? Number two. The farmer is foolish because he makes provision, not because he makes provision for the future. He's foolish because he believes, but by his wealth, he can secure his future. Self, you have all you need for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. And God's like, you are a fool to think what you have is going to secure your future for many years to come. See, our deepest needs can't be met materially. Like, we, we try to. We try to find, you know, fit it into our hearts, right? But we fi- if you fill your barn with self and stuff, it will leave you broken eventually. It will never satisfy your deepest need. It will never give you that sense of living what you have been called to live out. See, people in the Great Depression when they lost all of their wealth, what did they do? Those were people who were filling their barn with self, right? Now, I went to Belize this summer, had a chance to interact with some people who lived in drastically different conditions than I live in, right? And it was just eye-opening and humbling. And there was this one lady who came to our village, or to our church where we were staying, where we were working at, and she would come and she would sell trinkets every day. And she would sit there for hours. And these are all trinkets that she would hand make, right, with the stuff that she could find, right? And she was always smiling. There's always so much joy in her heart. And one thing that we got to do is we got to take, you know, um, packet, like packages of food to different huts, basically, houses. And I got to go to give her her food, right? Yep. And we went there, and the whole time, she she had a smile on her face, but she was sharing tragedy after tragedy, right? She talked about how her husband had passed away and left her a widow. She had talked about, she she brought us over to just a concrete slab with a bunch of trash and said, oh, this was my house two years ago, but a hurricane came through and destroyed it. And she's like, now I'm living in a house with my daughter, and it was a house like, like, (laughs) you know, 10 by 10. And she's like, oh, can I show you a picture of my husband? She shows a picture. Can I show you my, my family? Right? There was so much joy. Yet if we had to live in that condition, we would be bitter. We would be distraught. We would be upset. Right? And she would take us over and she would show us how she made her trinkets. But the, but the, you know, and she was so giving of what she could give. That was a woman whose barn was filled with God, not with self. It didn't matter how much she had. She didn't define herself by what she had. She defined herself by what she could give. And that was the love of Jesus. Our security is not in what we have. Our calling is not defined by the resources that we have. Our calling, our security is found in who Jesus is in us, what he has done in us, and how much we allow that. Just like Manoah was talking about, that what God has given to us, every one of us, can give that away freely. Everyone, it doesn't cost you money to speak kindly to somebody. It doesn't cost you money to serve somebody. And it might cost you money to do other things that you might have and you can do freely. See, John 10 says this, I give eternal life to them and they will never perish 
and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hands. Our security is not built up into what we have. Our future is secure because of who the Father is, how he loves us, how he's pursued us. And so what can we do to avoid living like the farmer? I've got two very practical things, and there's many, many more, right? But these are two things that God's highlighted for me. First, we need to focus more on the eternal in our lives. So often we are focused on these, this right ahead of, you know, or we're focused on this right here, you know? We're focused, and then we, you know, we fall, we crash, or whatever. You know, we're focused on the immediate demanding things of our lives, and we forget that we are made eternally. We are made to exist not just for now, not just till tomorrow, not just till the next win or the next, you know, good event. We are existing eternally, and God has put that inside of us for a reason, and we need to focus on that. And how do we do that? We need to gauge our spirits. Some of you need to start reading the Bible regularly. Some of us don't pursue the Word of God like we used to or like we should. And I'm not condemning anybody. I'm speaking mostly to myself, but there is this life-giving tool that God's given to us that helps us get our eyes off of ourselves and onto eternity, onto this great big God who's called us into relationship. We need to read the Bible. I can't think... See, and oftentimes it's like when pressure happens or stress or busyness, that's when we're like, oh man, I can't focus on the eternal right now. I gotta focus on the now because I gotta get through it. Right? When we feel that pressure. Now, you guys know I'm a big Eagles, Eagles fan. And I do have a growing man crush on my boy Carson Wentz. Okay? He's the quarterback. He's the second-year quarterback of the Philadelphia Eagles. Right? Rod, I'm going to speak right to you. Okay? Because he's going to take your boy Tom Brady down this year <laughs> in the Super Bowl. All right, Kayla? Okay. All right. All right, all right, okay, Rod. All right, that's good. All right, and so I was reading an article about Wentz. He said, the Bible is really the secret to life right? If you're not rooted in God's word, this world will eat you up. Can we get an amen to that? Right? Because then we're going to be hearing all kinds of voices that aren't true. In the NFL, you don't have to look far for temptation or distraction. You'll go astray so fast. I'm thankful that God has given us his word. His word is true. He's got a pretty good track record in keeping his promises, right? But we need to make our spirits alive by reading the word, praying, going to church. So many of us only go when we feel like it, right? We need to be committed to fellowshipping together, to worshiping together, to get our eyes off of ourselves. I can tell you most of the time, joining together with your brothers and sisters and hearing from God and experiencing his presence, it's going to be better than sleeping in on Sunday. It's going to be more rewarding for you. You might feel exhausted, but the thing that wakes you up the most, that gives you the most life is being with God. It's not sleep. That's not what you really crave. Matthew 5, 6, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. God wants to fill us. We have to be focused on the eternal. The, last, the second thing is we need to focus on things that matter. Here, you can go to the next slide. One more. I love this one. You'll never see a U-Haul behind a hearse. I can't take it with me, and neither can you. It's not how much you have. But what you do with what you have, Denzel Washington, what we do with what we have, we need to make sure our priorities are right. We are investing in the things that matter. We are loving well. We are in a a culture and a season where there is more distraction and more wasted time than ever. 
You can't even poop anymore without being distracted. I'm serious, right? I'm like, I'm not going to go to the bathroom without my phone because I need to, you know. We aren't thinking anymore, right? We are so full of other people's thoughts, distractions with our phones, social media, that it's so easy for us to not even focus on what really matters, right? See, in 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says this. Wait, Romans 12.10 says this. Love from the center of who you are. Don't fake it. Run for dear life from evil. Hold on for dear life to good. Be good friends who love deeply. Practice playing second fiddle. Right? Like, this challenge, are you a good friend who loves deeply? Well, you need to be there. You need to be talking to people. You need to be spending time with people. Are you someone who loves deeply your spouse or your children? Are you creating a culture of love? Are you investing in the things that really matter? Are you allowing the routines of life to take over where all you guys do is watch TV together? That's not living. Like, we have to wake up and not allow so many of these distractions that take priority in our lives. Even like games on your phone drives me crazy. Even actually watching TV is actually deeper than a lot of these things. I might sit down with my family and we're all watching a show, but no one's watching it. Everybody's watching their phone and the TV's in the background. And it's just like, what is so interesting about this? And when you really think about it, you're like, nothing. Actually, I really don't care about what's going on. Yet we're constantly filling ourselves up with these distractions. And so we need to prioritize, invest in the things that really matter, love deeply, play second fiddle, prefer other people. That is the mark of Jesus. And so I just want to end saying God wants to transform each one of us. Because every one of us is on this spectrum of selfishness, of being rooted in this world and the temporal, right? And if you look at Ebenezer Scrooge, he lived for himself most of his life, but he had a time, a moment, a night where he was transformed, right? He went from being so solely consumed with self to being so full of love and joy for every other person. It was like a radical transition. And that is the work that God wants to do in our hearts. So we're going to see a picture of Scrooge after he was transformed. And I, I believe that if this is what every one of us carries into the world, if we carry that spirit, if we carry that joy, if we carry that willingness to, hey, my barn's filled with God so I can give it away. I can give away this thing. That's not mine, it's God's. I'm gonna give it away. We will change the world. Revival will come far sooner than we even realize. And so let's watch this video. <laughs> A full 16 minutes late. What do you mean by coming here at this time of day? I'm very sorry, sir. I, I am a bit behind in my time. You are indeed. Step in here. Well, it's only once a year, sir. It, it should not be repeated. I, I was making rather merry yesterday. Now, I'll tell you what, Mr. Cratchit. I'm not going to stand for this sort of thing any longer. And therefore... And therefore, I am about to raise your salary. (laughs) 
Merry Christmas to you, Bob. <laughs> Merry Christmas, Bob. My good fellow, then I've given you in many a year. I'll raise your salary and do whatever I can to help your struggling family. And we'll discuss your affairs this very afternoon over a bowl of Christmas punch. But first, let's make up the fires. I want you to go out <laughs> and buy another scuttle of coal before you dot another eye, Bob Cratchit. Off with you, Bob. We were saving to do. Hello, Bob. Yeah. Yeah, yes, sir. Right away, sir. <laughs> Okay. It takes a special kind of person to dance. And Scrooge was better than he's been. Right? I love this picture of what a transformed life looks like. Right? If you could choose to be the first Scrooge or the second Scrooge, we would all choose the second Scrooge. But that means that we have to empty ourselves out of self. And we've got to choose to fill our barns up with God. We've got to focus on the eternal. We've got to find security not in our stuff or what it looks like makes us feel good, but we focus on what God has done for us. He secures our future. Could you imagine if we were all as generous, as kind, as joyful, as ridiculously loving as Scrooge was? Right? What would the world think about a church like that? Right? They would fall in love with us because they'd fall in love with Jesus. And so let's stand up together. We have this incredible opportunity to be rooted in something and someone so far greater than what we can have on our own. And so let's just choose right now. God, we pray. Lord, if we are caught up in a self-centered life, God, Lord, if we are caught up, Lord Jesus, in in focusing on things and wasting our time on things that are are lesser, Lord, you would change us, God. Even as Ebenezer Scrooge was transformed, God, transform our hearts, God. We want to be people who are generous. We want to be people who are joyful. We want to be people who are the kindest people on earth because of what you have done for us, God. Lord, we thank you that anybody who belongs in Christ is no longer living the old lifestyle, God, but we become a new person. The old is gone. The new has come. And we embrace the new of what you have for us now. So if you want to raise your hands, it's going to be a a raising your hands of surrender, of saying, God, less of me and more of you. God, we don't want to be rooted in these things that the rest of the world says is so important. We want to be rooted in your love, in your spirit, In your life, God. Jesus, Jesus, where we've gone astray, God, where we have focused on ourselves, God, where we've been caught up in the ways of the world, God, change us now, Lord, and awaken our eyes, awaken our hearts to experience life rooted in you and you alone, God. Thank you, Jesus, that life is more than the next iPhone. Life is more than the success of our children. Life is more than the popularity of what we have. Our life is found in you and what you have done for us, God. So, Lord, I pray for every person here that we would fill our barns, not with self, 
but with you, God, more of you, more of you. Just make it your own prayer, more of you. And God, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just put in our hearts where we can choose to be less selfish this week, where we can choose to play second fiddle this week, where and how we can choose to love deeply this week, God, whether it be at work or at home. Lord, in this season, Lord, we say yes to you, more of you, more of you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen.